Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together and to sing your praise, to hear about what you're doing in each other's lives, and, and then to look at your word and, and to see how it applies to us. Father, it is uh, such a privilege to hold your word in our hands and to, to learn from it and to grow by it and, and to apply it in our lives. We, we thank you for giving it to us. And I pray that as we look at it now that you speak through it, and I pray that you'd help us to apply it. I pray that you'd help us live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jerry asked me to come and speak a couple of times before you had the opportunity to vote. And I thought, well, it'd probably be good to have an Old Testament sermon and a New Testament sermon. And when I thought about your situation here, I was drawn to the book of Joshua. Um, Joshua stood on the threshold of some really uh, big challenges that, that he couldn't see into. And uh, God wasn't telling him everything that he was going to experience, but he knew he could step out in faith and trust God. And that's what we're going to see him do here this morning. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. And uh, if you need to fire up a electronic one, go for it, and uh, if, you, if you don't have one, there are some back at the back, and I was comparing yesterday, uh, I've got an old NIV, and um, I looked at the one on my phone, and I noticed some words that were a little different, and so I don't want to throw anybody off, so I'll read the passage from the one uh, that I picked up in the back, and uh, there's a couple of cross-references I'm going to turn to, and my print is bigger than your print, and I'm going to use my print. Uh, so, uh, so let's let's take a look at Joshua chapter one as we as we start here, um, looking at at verses one through nine. And it says this: After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, I, I think about you as a congregation standing on the edge of, of some unknown, uncharted territory. Uh, 
Pastor Jerry, who has served you long and well, is retiring, and you don't know all of what's next, and I don't either. Uh, only God does, and he doesn't reveal it all at once to us. He just reveals it step by step and asks us then to step out in faith with what he has revealed and just follow him step by step. And so uh, I think Joshua is a, a good person to look at because his situation is so much like yours. Let me put it in context here as we, as we start into this passage. Um, Joshua, 40 years before this, was one of the 12 spies sent into the land of Canaan to check it out and to bring a report back to Moses. And so the 12 covered a lot of territory, and they saw just how fruitful the land was, but they also saw that the land was occupied. It had fortified cities. Uh, there were some pretty big people in the land, and 10 out of the 12 spies said, we can't do this. We can't take the land. It's not going to work. Only Joshua and Caleb believed that they could. And they believed that they could based on their relationship with the Lord. If our relationship with the Lord is right, we can do this. But the majority uh, held sway, and the people wouldn't go into the land. And so God said, every one of you is going to fall dead in the wilderness. Uh, and, and that included Moses. Moses was not going to get to go into the promised land. He would only see it from a distance. An entire generation died in the wilderness. And now here we are 40 years later at the start of the book of Joshua. Moses and everyone from his generation is dead, and Joshua faces a daunting task and a really uncertain future. It's a new chapter for God's people. So Joshua has this, this dead superhero behind him and, and a huge challenge in front of him. And I don't think any of us would envy his position. Think about the leadership issue alone that, that Joshua had to face. You know, Moses, this, this incredible figure who led God's people for 40 plus years, was dead. Moses was the undisputed leader for all of those years. And did you notice how the text refers to him? He is Moses, the servant of the Lord. That's, that's a pretty good title to have above your door, right? Moses, servant of the Lord. And did you notice how it refers to Joshua? Moses' aid. Those are big shoes to fill for, for Joshua. He's stepping in where the servant of the Lord stepped out, and he's the aide. He's the number two guy. He's the backup. He's the understudy. He's, he's the Jordan love of the team, right? Been studying, been, been working on plays, been, been trying real hard, but how do you follow a four-time MVP? Um, would people respond? to Joshua's leadership. He had to be thinking along that line. By the way, this is one of the reasons why I'm convinced that, that it's a good thing for a church to have an interim pastor step in. Uh, my experience uh, over the years has been simply that the churches that use an interim uh, do better 
in the long run than, than those that don't. Uh, so often what I have found over the years, as soon as a pastor announces his resignation, the first thing the church wants to do is start a search committee. You know, let, let's, get a, let's get somebody, you know, let's get someone in here. Uh, but when a church stops to ask some questions about where it's going and then finds someone that they determine can help them get there, the church does better. Um, I think one of the, the benefits of having an interim pastor is that uh, uh, the next guy doesn't have to try to be Jerry. You know, when someone looks at an interim pastor and goes, you're not Jerry, uh, that guy can look back at him and say, yeah, you're right, and, and the next guy won't be either, and, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay not to have Jerry. Um, and the interim guy won't try to be Jerry, and the next guy won't have to. So anyway, an interim can, can come in and absorb all of your disappointment for not being Jerry. <laughs> okay, just, just let it out. You know, it's okay. It's okay. So back to the story. Joshua had to deal with a leadership issue. Would people follow him? But he also had to deal with a mission issue. What was it? He didn't know. It was just, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to take this land. God would talk about them inheriting the land, but he, he knew the land was occupied. He knew there were some scary people who were living in the land and that he would have to dislodge them. They weren't going to give up their land. This was an issue that Moses didn't need to worry about. He knew he was not going to get into the land, and, and the whole thing would fall then on Joshua's shoulders. What Moses didn't have to worry about would be Joshua's to worry about. What would the challenges be? He didn't know. That was across the river. He, he couldn't even see it. And I picked this passage because we're a lot like Joshua. So here... The bridge stands on the edge of a new chapter in its history. What's that chapter hold? I don't know. You don't know. All we know is that things are going to be different for each of us a year from now. But here's the thing. God didn't show Joshua everything that was in front of him, just like he doesn't show us everything that's coming either. Instead, he equips us with his word and with his presence so that we can walk in wisdom and we can walk with him. His word gives us the wisdom that we can walk in. His presence gives us uh, the assurance that he is with us and we can walk with him. If you want the sermon in a nutshell, it's this, because God's word will guide us God's, and God's presence will go with us, we can be strong and courageous as we face an uncertain future. So I want to focus this morning on three questions. What's ahead of you? What's in your hand? And who's going to be with you? So question number one, what's ahead of you? Verses two through six is our focus here. And I'll read it from my big print here. Make it easy on myself. And this is what God tells Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, by the way, this was a report from one who would know. Uh, Joshua wasn't there at Moses' funeral. Uh, Moses died in the previous chapter, right across the page there. 
Deuteronomy chapter 34, he climbs Mount Nebo and dies there, and God buries him. Nobody ever finds his grave. So God brings to Joshua the intelligence report, Moses is dead. You can count on that. That is true. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. By the way, that's where I got the title of the message, get ready. He doesn't know what's coming, but he needs to get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them, the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. I should have had a map. Sorry. I turned in my PowerPoint before I realized you guys really like maps. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. What's ahead of you? The answer? I don't know. I don't know. Joshua didn't know. There's no way of knowing for us or for him, but there were a few things that God told Joshua that he could know for sure. He knew Moses was dead, that a new chapter was opening. He knew that God was calling him to lead his people to inherit this land that God had promised them, verse 2. He knew the dimensions from verse 4 of, of the land that he would be taking and in verse 5, it tells us that, that though God had promised to give them the land, it was currently inhabited. He would need to dislodge the inhabitants in the land. They weren't going to give it up freely. That's the very thing that scared the guys off 40 years earlier, and Joshua needed now to face it square on. That's all he knew. And he'd have to take the rest by faith. God would give them this land. He had to take that by faith. Verse 2, verse 3, verse 6, all of them talk about God giving them this land. In verse 5, he had to take by faith that no one would be able to stand against them. Also, verse 5, that God would be with them as they went in. He had to take by faith that Joshua would be the one to lead them. Verse 6. When God said, be strong and courageous, you're going to do this. You're going to lead them in. Joshua had to take all that God had promised by faith. And the fact that the people told Joshua they would back him all the way cannot have been of much comfort. You look back over their history, as fickle as they were, and for them to say, hey, we got your back, Joshua, I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I think maybe one of the scariest verses in all of Scripture is verse 17. If you just look down the page, just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will obey you. <laughs> wow, that's scary. That's scary. He'd been there. He saw how they treated Moses. Now they're promising to do the same for him. Great. So Joshua knew a few things for sure, and he had to take the rest by faith. And you folks find yourselves in the same situation. There are some things you know, and there's a lot you don't. 
There's only so many things you know, and the rest you have to take by faith. And I want to encourage you to see that's really a good place to be. It really is. We wouldn't want the burden of knowing everything that's going to happen. Instead, we can just trust God who is faithful as we step out in faith and walk into the unknown. Ever hear anybody say, uh, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle? Heard that? I've heard that a lot. You know, It's a, it's a nice thought. The trouble is that you don't find it in Scripture. It's just not there. I think someone got the idea from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that tells us that there is no temptation that we can face that we can't handle. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So there's, there's no temptation that, that needs to overcome you. God will always provide an escape hatch if you'll just look for it. It'll be there. But trouble and temptation are two different things. The fact is, uh, though we can be assured we will never face a temptation that God won't give us a way out of, we will have more trouble than we can handle. It happens. It happens. And it's just not true that God will never give us more than we can bear. God will allow us to experience more than we can handle. One thing we can be sure of is that he will never give us anything more than he can handle. Our whole life is more than we can handle. That's why we need Christ so desperately. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I think, yeah, we've got that up. Listen to this. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Talk about being over your head, right? But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Did God give them more than they could handle? Absolutely. Did he let them know that nothing would stand in the way of the advance of his kingdom? Yes. Yeah. We find ourselves over our heads sometimes, and that's okay. We serve a God who has promised never to leave us or forsake us. Even if we face death, we serve a God who raises the dead. That's our ultimate hope. And God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And you can know as well that there's nothing that can come your way during this season of transition that can ultimately defeat you either because God is faithful. What's ahead of you, we don't know, but that's okay. All you need to know is that God has called you and he is able and he is faithful and he will be with you. What's ahead of you? Don't know, but that's okay. What 
is in your hand, verses 7 and 8. God says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And here's where the text varies a little bit from the old NIV to the new. Mine says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, keep it always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What's in your hand? Not what's in your wallet, what's in your hand. Notice what's not in Joshua's hand. There is no book of military strategy in his hand. God has told Joshua that he will give his people this land. He just hasn't told them how they're going to get it how he's going to give it to them. That's going to come later. At this point, we know more than Joshua because all of that's still future to him, and we've read his book. We know that in chapters 5 and 6, he's going to meet the angel of the Lord who's going to give him his battle plan, his marching orders, but all of that is still future to Joshua at this point. Joshua just has to take it by faith. And though he is... A trained military leader, there's something else that's not in his hand at this point. There is no spear or sword in his hand. Instead, what he's got in his hand is something he calls the book of the law. God's word, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's the key to our overcoming the challenges we face as well because it helps us grow in our relationship with God and it fills us with his wisdom. God's word fills us and leads to wisdom. The idea in, in the Old Testament of, of wisdom, and you find it so well illustrated in the book of Proverbs, uh, wisdom is, is really linked to the idea of practice. It's, it's doing the right thing often enough that it becomes a part of you. It would, become, it would be unnatural not to do what is the right thing. It's getting good at living out God's word, making it a part of you. Practice. You ever think about why a professional third baseman takes grounders hour after hour after hour, scooping up grounders, throwing them to first? Ever, ever think about why a professional musician practices the scales every day? You ever think about why we're willing to pay a master plumber uh, far more than we would pay an apprentice? It, it's all about experience that, that makes someone really good at something. If you're looking for an interesting read, a guy named Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Outliers. He talks about people who get really good at things and, and all of the strange circumstances that come together to, to have made them so good at, at those things. And, and the assertion of the book is once you've done something for 10,000 hours, you get really good at it. Just put in 10,000 hours. You'll be good. You'll be good. Uh, there's this rock band that, that Pastor Jerry and I are familiar with called the Beatles. <laughs> and they got really good. And according to Gladwell, the way they got good is they couldn't get gigs in England. 
So they had to play in Germany, and the expectation was you're going to play for eight hours straight. You've got to write a lot of songs uh, if you're going to play for eight hours straight, you know, because people in your audience don't want repeats. And so day after day, hour after hour, these guys are writing and performing, and they got kind of good. 10,000 hours. Invest 10,000 hours in something, you'll get good at it. What happens when we make the Word of God that central? When, when we invest our time and attention in the Word of God, we get good at it, not just filling our heads with knowledge, but living it out. That's the idea of biblical wisdom. Uh, the, the Hebrew word uh, is, is fascinating. It, it really suggests this idea of, of just getting good at it through practice. See, God isn't just interested in teaching Joshua how to conquer territory. He wants to teach Joshua how to conquer life. And to do that, you need God's word. But notice it's not just about reading it. It's about doing it. Uh, look again at, at these verses. Um, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, keep it on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to what? To do everything in it. And then you'll make your way prosperous. And then you'll be successful. When we do that, we experience the kind of success God intends for us to have. It's not the sort of success that, that you may hear some popular speaker talk about. It's the success that comes through acting wisely, acting in accordance with God's word. The bottom line is get God's word into your life and act on it, and you'll gain wisdom for daily living. That's what success is all about. I hope that this time of transition here in the church will be a time when you make the word of God that central for yourselves. There is a cumulative effect to be found in daily doses of God's Word. You don't generally notice any huge gains from any single day, but as you spend time in God's Word day after day after day, there is a cumulative effect. And neglect of God's Word is cumulative as well. You won't find everything falling apart on the first day that you skip being in God's word, but the neglect becomes cumulative as well. And I think if I brought two of you up here this morning and had one of you promise to spend time in God's word every day for a full year and had the other person promise to stay away from God's word for a full year, if I brought both of them back up here a year from now, I think the difference would be noticeable. Because there is a cumulative effect both to spending time in God's word and to staying away from it. And I would want to encourage you to be the person who says, I'm going I'm to trust God to be in it every day. And, and trust that as, as I live this out, I'm going to grow in wisdom, godly wisdom. And my life will have the kind of success that God intends for me to have. Now, where do you start? You, you may need a place to start. That that sort of daily practice may not be your own. Let me just give you a, a thought about where you can start. There is an app called YouVersion. Uh, it is a great little app. It has hundreds and hundreds of Bible reading plans. It's got, 
you know, daily sort of reading, you know, where you can read the whole Bible in a year. If that pace is a little fast for you, and it is for me, you can do it in two years. It's got topical studies that are Bible-based. I'm doing one on leadership right now. They have them on marriage, on parenting, on uh, your work situation, all sorts of Bible reading plans. They're all anchored in the Word of God. They're very practical. And I would just encourage you, if you're looking for a place to start, that'd be a great place to start. Just uh, download the app and pick one. And try several, but stay at it because there is a cumulative effect. And God tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Step out in faith with the wisdom that comes from knowing and doing my word. So what's in your hand? It's the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll equip you for living life. And then the third question, who's going to be with you? Verse 9 have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. What could take the wind out of Joshua's sails? What could cripple his army before they ever come in contact with an enemy? It would be those two things. Fear and discouragement. Fear and discouragement. How do you beat them? God knows how to beat them. You beat them by knowing you're not alone. When God is with you, you don't need to be afraid or discouraged. And when you're over your head, it's so good to know that you're with someone who knows what they're doing. My wife couldn't be with us here today. She'll be with us in two weeks. Right now, she is grandkids sitting in the Twin Cities, and uh, it's a date that's been on her calendar for a year. I uh, couldn't break her away from it. Grandma needs to be there for that. Our, our daughter and her husband go off on a small group retreat with, with their small group, and they just do life with these people. It's really great to see, and we want to support and encourage that. But my wife's name is Tina, and uh, she is the master of public transportation. She has never met a public transportation system that she didn't like or couldn't conquer. And uh, part of her secret is that she's never afraid to admit she doesn't know what she's doing. She's never hesitant to ask for directions or clues or help. Now, I, on the other hand, never want people to know I am clueless. Never want people to know. So I, I won't ask directions. I'll figure it out on my own. I'm told it is a male trait. But when Tina and I are together, she knows I haven't got a clue, and that's okay. She'll just go ahead and be the one to risk looking foolish and asking directions and getting us where we need to go. I don't need to figure it all out. So we were staying with our daughter in the Twin Cities and had a wedding to get to in the heart of St. Paul, and Tina said, let's take the bus. It'll be great. It'll be great. And I'm going, no thanks. I'll drive. I've got a GPS. Got this covered. Well, we talked about it for a while, and she won. And so we stepped with confidence on to a bus in Lakeville that took us to the Mall of America, where we transferred to another bus that took us into the heart of St. Paul and dropped us off just about in front of the building we needed to get to. 
It was great. You know why I had confidence to get on that bus? It's because of who was with me. Truth is, Joshua couldn't face his challenge alone. He needed to know the Lord would be with him. And you do too. Moses came to a similar point in Exodus chapter 33. Uh, God speaks to him in verses 14 and 15. Uh, God tells him his presence is going to go with him. This is Moses uh, moving out. God says, my presence will go with you. And Moses says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. No point in us going if you're not going with us. God tells Joshua something similar. Be strong and courageous. I'll be with you. And because of that, Joshua could have great confidence facing the unknown. Who's going to be with you? The God who planted this church. The God who loves this church more than you or I ever could. The God who has called you. The God who has equipped you will be with you. God told Joshua in verse 2, get ready. Get ready. Ready for a task that was huge. Maybe one he felt inadequate for. But God would provide what Joshua would need. We've looked at three questions from the three sections of this passage. What's ahead of you? What's in your hand? Who's going to be with you? Did you notice the phrase that's repeated in each of those sections? Be strong and courageous. We can do that because whatever lies ahead of us is no match for the one who has called us, who has given his word to equip us, and who goes with us. What's this pastoral transition going to look like? I don't know. I don't know. But we do know who has called you into it, and we know he's faithful. We do know we have his word, and we know that it can give us the wisdom that we need. And we do know who will be with us every step of the way. So you don't need to know what's lying ahead because God's word will guide you and his presence will be with you. And so you can be strong and courageous as you face this transition and all of its uncertainties. My 10-year-old grandson, Tyler, loves to play catch with a football. I was with him just the other day. As soon as I show up, he says, Papa, can we go downstairs and throw? And, and we just throw passes to one another in the basement. He starts out beside me and takes off, and there's a wrestling mat at the other end of, of the basement. And I, I throw the ball to him, and he catches it on the run. He loves to do the one-handed catch where he dives onto the wrestling match. Tyler is convinced he is going to make a lot of money in the NFL and support his papa in my old age. It's going to be great. I gave Tyler a football for Christmas. This is him opening it. I got it signed by Jared Aberderis. Anybody remember Jared? Jared played for the Badgers, wide receiver, loved watching him play, went on to play for the Packers. And um, Jared is a member of one of our churches, and so I got Jared to sign the football for Tyler. It's great. <laughs> It says, to Tyler, and he signed his name, and he wrote his number, number four. And then 
he put Joshua 1, 9. Joshua 1, 9. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I hope Tyler relies on that promise as much as Jared has. I hope you do too. Count on it. You can be strong and courageous because as you step out in faith, God will be with you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this assurance from your word that as we step out in faith, you'll be with us. Thank you that you love this church more than we ever could. And Father, we long to see this church grow in its strength, in its influence, in its kingdom potency as it reaches out beyond itself into this community and, and even beyond that. Thank you for the great opportunities you have given it. Thank you for the faithful service that Jerry and Sue have rendered these many years. And Father, we just want to affirm our trust in you as the one who has called this church into being and the one who will lead it into this next chapter, whatever it may hold. Help us simply to take by faith those things that we cannot know and to walk a life uh, of faith that uh, keeps in step with your spirit and is responsive to you and lives out your word. Be glorified in us, in Jesus' name, amen.